We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we work and live, the people of the Gubby Gubby Nation, and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. We pay respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to the Take A Seat Podcast. This podcast brings awareness to disability sports and supports. We are talking to experts and athletes with a disability from around the world. Boys, time for the uh, sponsorship read. Let's get into it. Of course, we want a website, uh, some details about their programs, and maybe where people can find them on the socials. Yeah, love it. Well, we'll start off with the website. So www.suncoastspinners.com.au Good. is where you can find all of their upcoming information about any events, tournaments, local programs, uh, where to be and what time. Uh, Spot on, Jimmy. Great. Over to you, Cam. Definitely Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We don't know about TikTok. We're, no, we might sure. have to get them so. onto TikTok, definitely. Another very big social media. Well, we know that they have a link tree which has all of them listed on it. So jump on their link tree and you'll be able to find it from suncoastspinners.com.au. And who are we thanking for the money? Uh, I want to be a, throw a big shout out to Bridie Keane uh, and the rest of the board for supporting us and backing us on this venture. You guys are doing really well at this now. You're getting real pro, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll cut this up and it will sound beautiful when we get it to air. Love it. Let's get into it. Welcome back. Episode 17, Cameron, and we're back in the room. We are back. The last two? Three. Three were yeah. supports. Yeah. Well, technically two and then a third one being a blended type yeah. of episode, but yeah. I found last episode really fine. Yeah, excellent. I love how you actually just knew what I was going for then when I was thinking two, three, and you looked at my hands, you're like, yep, it's definitely three, but possibly <laughs> yeah. two. Episode 17, who have we got? So we have Harney Watson on today. Uh, Commonwealth bronze medalist from Birmingham in powerlifting. It is fresh, right? Very fresh. We were lucky enough to see it as I walked in. <laughs> Harney, we would like to welcome you to take a seat with us on the Take a Seat Project. Thank you. Thank you for having me here today. I really appreciate it. This is actually really exciting. No, excellent. Great to and meet you guys. You've, you've brought, uh, to start off with, you've brought two companions with you. Yes. Do you want to tell us a bit about them first? Well, we've got some Peggy. Peggy's been with me for 10 years and she's also known as Bench Logo on Instagram. Yep. So if you ever check out Bench Queen on Instagram, you'll see her sitting actually on my torso while I'm repping out like 100, 110 kilos or something like that. What was, what was the handle? Bench Queen? Bench Queen. Bench yeah. Queen. Okay. Bench Queen. Right. That's, they call me Bench Queen purely on the fact that the amount that I actually do train, it's not about the weight that I sort of lifting. It's literally six days, two, three hours of just bench pressing. Jeez. And so it's the sheer volume. I struggle to think about doing it once a week. <laughs> not, yeah, not only that, it's the it is the volume though. You lift very heavy. I think James, what we we're lucky to do the bar, if that. Oh come on, mate! No, 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 no. That's no, twenty no. kilos. <laughs> come on, come on. Yeah, I put twenty on each side. And twenty then each side, get, and get ten. That's about as far as we go. Yeah. yeah. What What was the weight that you lifted for? Bronze medal in Com Games. Oh, it was only one twenty-seven. I can lift much heavier than that, but it's the technical aspect of of getting a perfect press. That's the hard bit, and I wanted to go in a little bit more conservatively. It's my first games, and you don't want to bugger it up, basically. So, the rules that you have is that you know, so you've got to be set up, straight up, you're strapped down, that kind of stuff. Can't have your legs rolling around, heels coming up, backside coming up, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you've got to lower it down at a nice speed. It can't be uneven. Slight touch on the chest, can't decompress. You've got to pause it, dead stop, can't bounce, and then you press it. And it has to evenly lock out 
um, on the press and then you've got to hold it before you get the rat command. You get any one of those stuffed up, those three refs are going to give you a red light and it's, it has to be perfect, absolutely perfect. Um, so so yeah. not only can she lift way heavier than us, she sounds, can do it with technique and perfect. Sounds nothing like my deadlift. Right? <laughs> <laughs> i got a third picture point of view of my deadlift right now. And it is Your deadlift bad. or bench press? Both are terrible. Both, both terrible. There you go. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Weights, right? The gym. Love it. And and then the second companion that you brought in today? Um, is Gus. Yeah, Gus. Gus, so, Gus is my um yeah, he's um my old man, he's a miniature Australian bulldog. And um unfortunately he's got dementia and he just likes to talk a lot. Um he was just barking the whole entire time when we drove up here today. So an hour and a half of him talking in the back seat. So yeah. <laughs> oh, he got, got it out of himself before he came in then. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm good. <laughs> he's they're, they're both settled down. So my two children, I love them, I love them dearly. Love that. Oh, well, awesome. we might jump into the hard cards. Yeah, yeah, guess, yeah, definitely. I guess the listeners and the guests have been free of the hard cards for a little while. Honey, what we got is a deck of hard cards here. So written on the back of the cards is some questions that we've got from the internet, James and myself and from our guests and also people from our social media. They're questions that are a little bit difficult to answer. And when I say that, it's not necessarily that you go, oh, wow, holy, I, I can't answer that. It's just kind of things that you can elaborate a little bit of a story off the back end. And uh, we say these are our icebreaker so that you feel comfortable when when you're in here recording and then so if you pick three right. and from there we will then read out the questions and uh, we'll go through it let's bring it on there's no queen of hearts in there what no was? we took it out because that got Why? asked so many times everyone oh. wants the queen of hearts okay well i'll go with my favorite number so there's number eight we'll go with that one Lovely, right, lovely. We've got, we've got my three. So, do you want me to read them? Or you want oh, to read I'll them? read them for you. I'll read them for you. Just that way, I make them a little more. Oh, we two, got the one. two of diamonds. Was, two of diamonds has uh, come out with it. Ah, alrighty. Can we? Um, we had a request to do one question at a time. Yes. Can we? And we've said we're going to do it. I will read but the first. Qu- I will read the first <laughs> question. Just the first question. Then we'll get an answer. Has your disability ever made you feel like an inconvenience? Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. You do, um, like when I go sort of like everyone, my friends, family, not everyone that I hang out with um, does have a disability. So you do feel sometimes you go out and you want to do things and then you sort of like, can I do that? Um, Is that going to be an inconvenience to you guys? Is that going to hold you back? And then, but then my friends will look after me and they'll always think of going outside of the box and making sure that I'm sort of looked after and cared for as well. But you do, you do feel like it holds other people back sometimes and stuff like that. It's it's a, a feeling or an emotion that you sort of can't, avoid when you have a disability and that's okay it's just you've got to work at it through it how do you work through that <laughs> um it's hard i suppose because it's um when you think about well let's, let's take an example so tuesday was my my birthday i um hung out with a friend of mine who also has a prosthetic one of the things was um went to the beach and you sit there and you sort of like is this an inconvenience to walk through the sand for her is it going to be hard for me is the the beach going to be too rough are we going to fatigue too fast these are the things that we sort of think about um i'm more able-bodied than her so i start thinking about all the things or hang on what can i do to make your experience a lot better um and then i get sort of anxious about how she's feeling she's getting anxious about people looking at her prosthetic and then having to take off that prosthetic and having to jump and go into the water and then are you going to be safe so these are the things that as a person that's got a disability these are the things that we've got to think about but how we worked through it at the end of the time was just just you just enjoy the moment enjoy what 
you have around you and reconnecting with the beach, the ocean, feeling that healing connection and just breathing and appreciating that. And then I said, all right, come on, I'm going to piggyback you into the ocean right now. And then just connecting with her and just being okay with that. And there's nothing wrong with that. It became a fun experience and something that was worth having a bit of a laugh about. And that's going to be in the memory bank. You touched on there the, the term you said, more able-bodied, and we were discussing before we got started on the podcast, we said that I asked the question as to do you prefer, what's your opinion on the terms? And one of them was ABs. Um, and I explained that my background in basketball and rugby with Cameron is that that's how we are classified in the sport. And I asked how you felt about us using that term being a, and the AB standing for able-bodied, um, to which you said, I mean, like I was able-bodied and in my opinion, um, even though I was born with a disability, that I was able to do a lot more than what I could actually do now. So I'm not offended or, you know, sort of um, sensitive to the words abled, but um, I suppose when you look at any sport, like you, you either can do that particular sort of like category or classification or you can't. You sort of just, I think it's like when we go through life, everything gets a label mm. so that we can have a some sort of way of describing and classifying and just everything we do, whether it's from personality to sexuality to yes. um, sports. I think we're just labelling everything so that everything has a meaning, yeah. I suppose, and an identification. Yeah. On the back end of that, can I ask, do you feel that there are some scenarios or some places, environments where that isn't a thought process at all? Hmm. The gym. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like- I was hoping you would say... Comp games. Yeah, well, the gyms, comp games. Well, yeah, the yeah. gym, 100%, you know, like there's a couple of gyms that I've come across now that are trying to make it way more accessible for everyone, like Steel and Stone. Um, Tiff is just trying to introduce a lot more into her gym so that she can have like um, um, adaptive strongman events. And I'm like all for it, <laughs> you yeah, know. So yeah. um, I think gyms are becoming a lot more accessible. There's one that um, at Toowoomba I was recently out there for a – Australian Paralympics um, thing and um, they were sort of asking me like how do, how do we become more accessible for everyone, whether you're sort of old, disabilities, able, whatever. Um, so that's, that's a conversation that we're, we're all having right now in a lot of gyms and stuff like that and um, they're all really sort of a lot of the trainers and stuff are branching themselves out to bring those people in and stuff like that, which I think is great. So, But in Com Games though, that was, that's a different story. So they had like five different villages and they did it because so many of the villages were not accessible. Right. Because of, um, I, I don't know if you know, Birmingham's like the, the one place that has more canals than anywhere in the world. And because of that, it's very hilly. There's lots of places that you have to cross over, canals and all that kind of stuff. So if you did have a disability, they did not put you in the main village. Can we hijack one of the questions? Okay. Yes. Would you like to keep that Ace of Diamonds or the King of Clubs? Well, you can see the question. So, which which question? No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. No, no, it doesn't work that way. Hmm. All right. We'll keep the keep the ace. Keep the ace. All righty. So, can I can I jump in with that second question? What is accessibility to you? What is accessibility to me? I think it's um being able to do everything that everybody else can do. And then, sorry to refine that question and overlap it with the your answer. In Birmingham at the Com Games, mm-hmm. why were some apartments not accessible to others? I suppose because they used they didn't build the village like most um, Com Games and Olympics that kind of stuff. They didn't build them; actually used hotels. 
So where we were staying was at the NEC uh, Convention Centre and beside it was the Hilton and the Moxie Hotel. So they were using the established facilities rather than um, using the money to build facilities. So yeah. that's why. And I'm assuming that then those pre-built, pre-built hotels would have done the minimum standards requirement required and et cetera. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So anyone with a wheelchair had to have preference of the larger rooms so that you had space to move around in. But they did like in the bathrooms, they would put accessible um, handle railings, that kind of stuff, chairs, seats. Some of them had bathtubs and they had to sort of convert the bathrooms to um, suit the disability. So, you know, Australia in terms of the, the Com Games team, they really sort of went out and made sure that you were supported and you had everything. And then they had a specialised team always on site. If something wasn't working for you, they would go and fix it. If, if they needed to move a cupboard because it was in your way, they would go and move it for you. They would do anything to make sure that you were well supported. Excellent. Now, I know you're married to your lovely wife. What type of uh, accessible or changes to your wedding did you find that you had to make? Because I know that some people are looking out there for relationships and getting married themselves and uh, different accessible access points. Or was there anything that you had to change with your wedding in particular to make it feel more accessible and lovely and awesome for yourself on that day? I, I suppose the, the biggest thing was it was it was the wedding, the actual wedding was out at Udlow on my um, in-law's property and um, we had a lot of tracks sort of built and I had to sort of the whole the whole wedding was set up as a upcycled, recycled theme, everything that was made from the forest, local resources, that kind of stuff. And I did a lot of art installations myself. So I actually had to think well in advance of what I could do, what I couldn't do. So it took me a year of weekends of going up there and doing these installations and putting our story together. And the one thing that my um, my in-laws purchased was a golf buggy cart type thing so it wasn't just for carting me around and all that kind of stuff but a lot of the older people and stuff was the biggest thing so that we could drive them around on the property and make sure that everyone could get where they needed to go and stuff so love that yeah that's awesome that's really cool i think that's going to lead us into question number three pretty well question number three was do you avoid asking for help a hundred percent This is this is too good. This is too good. The way these questions are lining up today. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> it's, it's meant to be. Um, yeah, no, hundred percent. You do. You do. Don't. You don't ask for help and stuff like that. And it becomes a a bit of a pride thing. I'm also extraordinarily stubborn. Sometimes I'll sit there and go, no, no, I can do this, I can do this, and then I'll break something. Oh, no, I could not do that. (laughs) You know, and then you learn your lesson and then, you know, the silver lining is is that you do learn and then you start to forgive yourself for that because you only are human at the end of the day and then it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to feel those feelings of feeling a little bit helpless and, and stuff, but it's just the way that you have to then adapt through life and stuff. But everyone has to, whether you're able-bodied or not, there's going to be something that, you know, you can't lift or bench 70 kilos apparently, so you're going to ask <laughs> someone for help. <laughs> you know, yeah, and they're, yeah. going to, they're going to spot you. So, And that's okay. We normalise that kind of thing. So why can't we normalise other things like helping me with the shopping or something like that? It's, there's no shame in that at all. Yeah. That is, oh, you, you just, you, you are crushing this, honey. So <laughs> our guest in episode 15, Chris Kessick. Yep. I hope I got that right. I hope so too. Yeah. He came in and sold us Surge. Like he sold it to us. Now, have you heard of Surge? No. Okay. When you do, when sorry, when, when we finish up here, I uh, encourage you to listen to our episode 15, uh, 16 with Jezza and 15 with Surge. 
but essentially, I'm going to go right back. Okay, I'm just backtracking. <laughs> Come on, James. Terrible t- storytelling. Yeah. Yeah, storytelling yeah. time here with so, James. Cameron, Cameron, I'm going to ask Cameron to expand on this story. So he was at the shops the other week and he ran into a gentleman that I know quite well. Ah, oh, yeah. Cameron, I, now I know where you're going with this. Cameron right. knows of him and ran into him at the store and Cameron, take it away. Okay, so we, we had episode 15 with uh, Chris and Serge. And a, a gentleman uh, that works with Suncoast Spin as our sponsor very well. Uh, he actually runs the rugby program, wheelchair rugby program there. And I was going through the Woolworths, uh, local Woolworths, and I, I kind of bumped into him or, well, I deliberately bumped into him because I knew who he was. And uh, so I was kind of from a distance stalking him around the shop and seeing how how it went and how uh, the movements were and if he if he required assistance. I also was trying to get some courage for me to actually go in. I've never met him before, but I know who he is. So I was trying to walk around and go, okay, I, I know I've got to go and see him. I've got to go and say hello to him. I, I, like, it took my time. While I'm doing that, he went up to one of the uh, workers at the Woolworths and asked for some assistance. He is in a uh, wheelchair. He is a quadriplegic. The assistant actually just took him to the aisle and told him where the item was and walked away from him. In my head, I was like, this is my moment. So I walked up to this particular gentleman, said, hey, do you need some assistance? I saw the, what happened, introduced myself that I did the podcast and I know that he knows, knows James extremely well, that he's with Suncoast Spinners and uh, went through this conversation with him. At that point, he's like, oh, no, um, like I don't really need assistance, but thank you for the offer. I was like, oh, yeah, no problem, no problem. And kind of went, sort of half went to walk away. He goes, actually, you know, like, yeah, can you help me? And, and he was getting nappies for his little one. And he's like, oh, can you just knock those nappies down? Because otherwise I'm going to knock everything on the floor. And then there's going to be a whole rigmarole and I'm going to feel embarrassed. And I was like, yeah, no problem. So I grabbed the nappies and put them in his basket. And then kind of was like, oh, would you like me to carry the basket around? Blah, 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 blah. And explained about the Surge app. So for those that haven't listened and are going to go back to episode 15 and listen, Surge app is where you notify the store that you need assistance within the store to be able to do whatever it is. It might be carrying a basket. It could be dimming the lights or those type of things. Up to an hour, let them know and they will help you with your disability, do your shopping. I think the important thing to capitalise on it and reference that Surge is, is it's the customer experience yes. is accessible. Yeah. Yes. And so from there, I explained to him and he, he was really, really, he's like, oh yeah, Serge, like, you know, I, I don't know when I'm going to go. It could be 10 minutes before. And I was like, yeah, cool, cool. No problem. You can do 10 minutes before you're going to go shopping. And he found it like awesome. He was, and then that leads into, I then met James and explained that story to him. And then he's actually bumped into him. And this is where we're up to. Sorry, a bit of story time to yeah, so elaborate where we're at. Part one. Part two, and then I'll <laughs> then I'll build in the question. Um, so I ran into another gentleman who had been talking with Chris from Surge, and they had a conversation. And he he listened to our episode at that point in time with Chris, and he's like, hey, "Look, it's sensational, love it, sounds amazing. What are you struggling with though?" And he goes, "Well, look, this. So this is keep in mind, this is quoting from someone else's quoting. So it may or may not be Chinese whispers, but essentially what was what was passed on was the fact that it's actually hard. It's easy to get businesses to sign on. The businesses." businesses are signing on well and they're as you uh, explained like the uh, the gyms are wanting to be more accessible businesses these days are trying to be more accessible trying to be inclusive and adaptive in their practices mm-hmm. to allow everyone to be able to enter their store and do what they need to do like in any in any scenario however the individuals people are not signing up to the app mm, okay so right <laughs> people are not asking for help so now that you've heard a bit of a background about Surge, is there anything springing to mind that you're thinking for yourself, you would or you wouldn't use it and why? 
I didn't even know that app existed. Oh, we've done our job. <laughs> Love it. You know, I didn't know it yes. existed. And, and um, I would use it if that meant, you know, because when you're in, I can't, I can't walk for long periods of time or stand without a significant amount of pain. I could do it if I wanted to. Um, it just meant, means that I fatigue so hard. So when I eventually got my wheelchair, um, the first thing I did was actually um, I went out with my wife to Bunnings to a Westfield, Westfield sort of shopping centre, wheeled around everywhere. And the one thing we noticed is that I wasn't tired. I wasn't fatigued. I didn't have to have an afternoon nap. I didn't have, you know, pain, all that kind of stuff. Um, but when I sort of go shopping on my own and want to use my wheelchair to be able to do that, I can't reach for certain things. I actually have to get out of the chair. And that's inconvenient because when you do use their shopping trolleys, they're not made for wheelchairs, really. Um, you have to unhook it all. Then I have to sort of stand up, get up, or I'm knocking things over, that kind of stuff. So if they're is an app, I'm going to download it to my phone and make someone help me because that yeah. essentially that employs that person. It's like self-checkouts, you know, I'd rather go to a normal checkout. Yeah, yeah. That employs that person to, to help me, you know, yeah. go through and bag my stuff, all that kind of stuff. So this is the same thing. So if people are wanting to use app, are okay for asking for help, it's, it's okay. You've got someone to shop around with, so what's wrong with that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know what exists. I'm going to download it. And, and that's exactly it. Like, uh, as you said, like, it's one of those things where asking for help, it's pride and it's that. Uh, but at the same time, there is the, the apps and those things that are trying to be out there a bit more to be able to actually go and do that. Now, I am going to do story time. I, I am terrible at reading, but I do know that there was one thing that you said in, in a previous article, and I really do. I think it's great. Um, so hopefully this was written right, because it is your, your quote, word for word. <laughs> so I'm hoping I read it right, and I hope no, it was no, written no, no, right. Never said that. No no no. no, 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 no. Didn't say that at all. Okay, so there's a sort of a long way to go with how we support people with disabilities. How do we talk about certain things? There are people out there who have trigger words who don't want to be your inspiration because they have a disability. But why not? If you were able-bodied, you'd want to be an inspiration to someone else's life. Why is it any different? We're all human. We all need to learn to be respectful to each other, be kind to each other, and we'll all learn together. Yes. <laughs> I remember that interview that was with um, uh, Emma Kemp from The Guardian and stuff. And it was interesting that we... That interview went off in that direction. That was not the direction that was we were going, but that's what happened, and that's okay. And I think we started talking about because I was so new into the world of disability. I mean, like, again, born with a disability, um, but my parents never recognised it as a disability. It was just you're an ordinary kid. you just got to do what you got to do, um, harness what you can do, what you can control. It's only when later in life I've actually needed that extra assistance and stuff. And then watching and being with other people that have, in my opinion, much more significant disabilities to me um, and how they treat people... <laughs> It was eye-opening. Like I didn't, I don't tra travel a lot, but in the last year I had, and to see um, people with disabilities treat able-bodied people like it's, it's their assumption that they know how to approach a person with a disability. That you should know that I need that assistance. Um, you should know that I should be your priority. That kind of stuff. And I was just sort of just watching these types of attitudes. Um, happen. Not everyone is like that. I won't put everyone in the same basket and that, but it was eye-opening that people with disabilities seem to have a little bit of negativity around people who are able-bodied. Like you're meant to assume that 
But you guys would sit there and go, should I ask? Should I not ask? How do I approach this situation? And I think we just need to have that conversation that it just needs to be a, a normal conversation of like saying, hello, how are you? It should be about, hey, how you doing? Can I carry your bag for you? Is that cool? You know, like um, people with disability, what I have learned is that people with, in wheelchairs, it is an extension of their body. You don't want people coming into your close space. I get that and touching your wheelchair and that's a part of you. It's a part of your appendages, basically. And I, I totally get that. But um, but to flip around and to be very negative towards someone who wanted to help you and is giving you that kindness, then you're going to, as an able-bodied person, you're going to have that, oh, fuck, you know, Let's not go there again. I don't want to get that negativity again, but not everyone's like that. But you don't want that experience to be the experience that you've just had. We, as people with disabilities, we need to be able to be okay with, they don't know, so let's teach. People with able-bodied, you don't like, know what to say, do, whatever. It's, it's about having that conversation and being okay with it and normalising it like everything else we do at the end of the day. So it's just like when someone says to me about, I don't want to be your inspiration because I get up every day and I go to work and I can shop and stuff. And I said, no, hell no. I'll be an inspiration because it takes me a hundred times harder to do something than an able-bodied person at the end of the day. And everyone gets up some days and it's so easy to focus on, you know, you ask a question, how's your day? And they sit there and go, oh, it's shit. And you'd be like, why? I wake up. It's so easy to focus on those things, whether you're disabled, abled, whatever it is. But if I get up, go train two, three hours a day and still work full time, still get to the common games and, you know, it is so much harder for me to do that. And I won't, I'll boast about that. It is so much harder than an able-bodied person, I think, in my opinion. So you should look at me when you're having a really crap day that it's okay to look at me and go, if she can do it, then I can do it. Uh, you have hit the nail on the head as to what James and I are sitting here smiling at each other, nodding and, and everything. Because yeah. <laughs> two, two major sort of points there. The first one is the t- touched on like the justification of um, inspirational porn. And the second one, which Cam was talking about there, was do we, do we even need to say, Cam? Alyssa's going to know. No, I, I'm sure they the, will the, know. The regular, but like, we, we, will, we will say it anyway. Salami. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Salami, <laughs> honey, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna love this, right? So, you know how you're saying that people don't know unless, unless you tell them, and you're gonna have to mm-hmm. just sort of educate them. I didn't know salami was a meat until partner at the time had told me that it couldn't touch the raspberries because it was meat. She was vegan or vegetarian, uh, uh, so he didn't know. know salami was meat until it was. He was told that it was meat. And we bring that analogy in a lot because people don't know what you can do with a disability until they know or they don't know until they are asked or approached. or, And the reason we keep bringing that in is because if you don't know, you don't know. 100%. It's like, you know, when you go to a restaurant, like, um, you know, my wife is vegan and they sit there and go, is egg okay? And it's like, <laughs> and you know, like it's, it's funny you have a bit of a giggle and stuff like that, but they don't know. No. So no. then you just keep, be kind, educate and say, well, actually, no, it's, that's not vegan. That's okay. But if you sit there and just assume that they are an idiot, yeah, you know, that's, that's really harsh. And that's not the world that we should really live in because not everyone knows the answers at the end of the day. I mean, this mate, why did you think salami was made of? <laughs> I didn't question it. I just didn't question it, you know? Yeah. It was like meat products. <laughs> like it's next to the cheese. 
which is something it's also not vegan. But True. <laughs> just, yeah. You know what I mean? Very like, good point. But it's, it, and we should never assume that everyone knows everything at the end of the day. And it's everything that we do through life is a, it's an educational experience. That's how we grow. That's how we build our relationships and that kind of stuff is being kind and not, not being afraid to ask a question and, and facing those fears. Because at the end of the day, our fears are are in, my, in our minds. And the more that we face our fears, the more that we realise that. And it's okay. Thank you for that validation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) The Take a Seat podcast is in your ears thanks to the Suncoast Spinners. The Suncoast Spinners are a wheelchair-based sporting club. They run social inclusion programs, including but not limited to basketball and rugby. If you want to get involved with the Suncoast Spinners programs, you can just rock up at Mergant, Morrowfield and Sippy Downs on Wednesdays, Fridays and Saturdays or contact them on Instagram, Facebook or their website www.suncoastspinners.com.au. The Suncoast Spinners programs are for people of all ages and abilities. They're looking for players, officials and volunteers to help with all of their programs. So make sure you check out the Suncoast Spinners on Facebook, Instagram or on their website again, www.suncoastspinners.com.au. I was going to say, uh, from that, when you say that you were raised, your, your dad was a big influence on on not raising you as a uh, disabled child or anything like that, and he actually took you to the gym and did a lot of things with you where, you know, life was normal. From there, you then become classified as a disabled athlete and you found that as as a great thing. Some people would actually, on the flip side, say that it's a bad thing to then be classified as an athlete or be a classified as a person with a disability. But you've taken it as a, as a positive thing. And uh, the, my question I want to ask is, what was your mindset around, I've gone from non-classified as disabled to now I'm classified at a later age and it's a good thing. I think if anyone knows me really well, I think there's a silver lining to every thing that we have face every struggle that we have every type of negativity that kind of stuff there's a silver lining then we can choose to accept that or we could fight it at the end of the day and so yes I did grow up around weights and doing what I can do and that was something that an attitude that my dad put into me very young is that you can control what you can control and you can do what you can do and whatever your little white light is inside of you you just harness that so Back in 2016, I tried to get classified. I was not disabled enough. I found that negative. I love that. Yeah, Yeah, I wasn't disabled enough. But, you know, I was doing um, lifting, that kind of stuff, and it was uncomfortable for me and painful, that kind of stuff. And it was at that point that um, I decided to go through with the surgeries to um, over a six-year period to break my legs, try and and straighten them, to see whether or not I could actually become a little bit more able-bodied and see if that would work out. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. It was just a genetic predisposition. So you would look at me and you would see straight legs, but... Mm the bones on the inside are growing back to where they were before. Um, so they're bowing back out again. So I had a 45 degree bows in both legs and it's painful and it doesn't, you know, can't extend well, all that kind of stuff. But then it was um, 2018, I decided to introduce a lot of compound movements and lifting that kind of stuff. But it was only last year that um, Simon Bergner, my coach, he said, you've got a disability and he sees it as a positive because he's such a positive bloke. And he goes, and you can bench. I want to see if you can get classified. And I was like, oh, mate, I've already been down that road. I wasn't disabled enough. I'm not going to want to face that again because that was kind of heartbreaking for me because it was something I really wanted to do. But then I did it, got classified, and I was like, woohoo! <laughs> you know, I was really excited by it because it meant I had 
I had a place. I could do something that I was really good at and I had a place in society, in the community, and I felt like I had a different goal to achieve and um, it meant it was going to take me around the world and I was going to be able to show what I could do with my superpower and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. I have a story which will lead into a question. So bear with me on this. You just said something that has resonated with me wholeheartedly. So my father is Aboriginal. And I only recently found out about it, and I want to say about two or three years ago. So darker skin complexion, and he grew up out in an Aboriginal community out west in in Queensland. Then he moved away to Toowoomba to do his apprenticeship as a uh, plumber. When he was in Toowoomba, what he actually had was he when he went to the pub, he told me the story that he couldn't sit with the blackfellas because they seen him as too educated and too white. He then couldn't sit with the whitefellas because his skin was too dark. So he was segregated into this isolated island of in between. I'm not like I'm, I'm Aboriginal, but I'm white and I'm educated. And he got this discrimination from him in that scenario. Where that story resonates so hard with me and what you just said there is you were heartbroken because you weren't, you went through the process and, and weren't disabled enough to be classified, but you were in too much pain and too abled and, and difficult to move around and things that you weren't classified. So you're in this, I'm too disabled for standard powerlifting, deadlift squats, but not for yep. powerlifting. My question is that heartbreak, why did you end up going back through the classification process even though you had already been denied and that you had been denied, how it made you feel being, hey, you're not disabled enough for us? Oh, look, it was it was anxiety provoking to go back through it again to have to you know think about I was going to face possible heartbreak again that I was still not disabled enough, um, and I'm still too disabled to do standard powerlifting, but I could still do bench only competitions in in any able bodied powerlifting stuff. It was just difficult, and the recovery process was hard, but I still did it because I think we should still hold, hold on to a little bit of hope a little bit of shining light in anything we do. And I don't think we should ever really give up on anything that we sort of set our minds to. So that's what, why I did it and stuff, you know. And Simon's um, such a massive advocate for women in general, but specifically anyone with a disability. And he had that conversation with me. He's just like, you've got nothing to lose. <laughs> just go and do it, you know. And I'm like, okay, whatever. All right, we'll give it a crack and see what happens and stuff, you know. And we went through it. We did it. And I don't regret it <laughs> at all. I mean, look where we are now. <laughs> yeah, you've got a uh, Commonwealth bronze medal that's we've already touched and felt in here. Hey, James, yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> it's it's it's, it's fancy. Yeah, it's fancy. Nice. That's the first Com Games medal we've had in here too. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So just to backtrack slightly, is it fair to say that you didn't feel that you belonged in the able-bodied weightlifting community? Why is that, if that's correct? When I first started doing powerlifting in 2018, I did go through a couple of different – I was always in commercial gyms, but I was looking for something a little bit more strength-focused but strength-based. Um, I wanted to create myself a goal. So powerlifting, here we are. And I went through a couple of different gyms to try and find who was a good fit. And I did find one gym and I thought, okay, I'll give this one a bit of a try. Don't know if I want to say the gym's name out loud. Don't have to, but if you want to out and shame them, go for it. Um, well, it was Brisbane North Barbell. So there are <laughs> – b Anyway, so there was a particular coach there and I wanted assistance. I wanted to make sure that the way I was squatting, that I was doing it correctly for me, deadlifting. I wanted to give it a go. I wanted to see whether or not 
my legs were capable of being able to carry that weight. Um, and doing the compound movements meant my bones were growing as well and they needed to grow. So I needed to do these types of different movements and stuff like that. And I wanted to do it safely at the end of the day. It was probably about four months in being with this particular coach of paying him what I was a fairly good salary for him to sit there and just watch at the end of the day. And what was ended up being said to me was, why are you doing the sport? And I was like, why? why? Why are you asking that question? And he was like, I don't understand why people with disabilities want to do powerlifting. And I said, okay. I said, well, I can do it. It's just going to take me a little bit longer to get to where you think I might want to go. Because no, but I don't think people with disabilities should be doing powerlifting. And I was just like, oh, that's a really shitty attitude to have, but okay. And then he just continued on with, you know, women... Women can't bench press past 100 kilos, so, so I still don't get why you want to keep going. And that was the deal breaker right there because I was like, Mm-mm. that's just this male-dominated sort of attitude that we don't need in society right now. Women can bench press over 100 kilos, and I've been preaching it for years now, and I've been watching phenomenal women just bench pressing extraordinary amounts of weight my teammate I've been helping her and just like the strength that we have is phenomenal and it's empowering and it can be done I've proven it can be done absolutely you know and I just think sometimes when we come across those types of attitudes unfortunately they happen to become from a lot of men um unfortunately it's masculinity that that is preventing yes. women the opportunities to participate and be encouraged to continue these pathways. Yeah, and it was an interesting conversation I had with my coach Simon was that he goes, I love training women. And I said, why is that? Because my mind went straight into the gutter, but he's got a partner. But <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, but, uh, and um, when we're on tour, we always sort of like, you know, have a look at each other and sort of appreciate <laughs> what walks past us or something like that, you know. But um, we always have that sort of little brother sort of like attitude with him. But the one thing he said to me, he goes, training and coaching women we have a lot more resilience and determination and a lot more strength, not only physically but mentally over blokes. Sorry, fellas. Well, you only no, have to no, look no. at the, te- <laughs> the, the average temperature of a, of a shower that a female has versus male. Mm. Yeah. We all know that, that they put it on third-degree burns. Sorry, yeah, women, women put it on third-degree burns versus what I think is reasonably hot is about halfway. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it, it also – so I had this conversation with Nat um, – last night and women always go I'm a working mum mm-hmm. the amount of adversity and things I don't I don't turn around and go I'm a working dad no I, I'm an exercise physiologist I am the co-founder of Take a Seat Project and I'm sure James would be the same thing outdoor educator and co-founder of the Take a Seat you know that's how we address ourselves we don't I don't go I'm, I'm a working dad and I am an exercise physiologist that's not what I do women always push themselves to that next level and there is so much adversity in everything that they do, no matter what the scenario is, to then be, no, you can't bench press 100 kilos. No, you can't do that. Oh, why, why do you have a disability when you're doing it? And, and as as we said, your, your wife in particular, you know, you're then getting, oh, you're lesbian, you can't do that. Th- that's also another form of discrimination or whatever. Nobody should be doing that. And, yeah. and that's why with your new coach, it's all right, let's give it a crack. Yeah. Well, women go through so much adversity and you make it happen that you're probably one of the stronger, if not the strongest athlete that he has training underneath him. Like, yeah, I exactly. Think it comes down, we, we tend to listen and absorb more information than when we get t- taught 
I think anyway. Whereas I think most of the blokes that I sort of want to train with, they want to just throw the weight and do yolos all the time and stuff like that. Um, a lot of ego lifting, that kind of stuff. And Pat ourselves on <laughs> the back in the mirror. Sorry. sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it does happen though. But, you know, like I, I trained with one of my um, coaches. Um, she was just like this massive sponge of just taking everything that I wanted to throw at her and to in- increase her bench and her setup and all that kind of stuff and teaching her what I do mentally when I set up and then go and compete and that kind of stuff. And I think women do tend to sort of soak up that information a lot more and they and they practice it and they seem to be a lot more patient and that kind of stuff. So I think with women in sport and that kind of stuff, it is a conversation that we need to have that it is coming out now that we are supporting it a lot more. We're, you know, paying them the wages that they sort of, because they do work as just as hard to get there. You have a different physique to me. You can bench a lot heavier than me if you do want to do that. But then I've got to work twice as hard to get up to 100 kilo bench press than, than a male. You know, I'm not putting down anyone's. No, no, um, yeah, no. no. It, that's, it's that's possible. Just the way you just that it work is, harder. You know, and sometimes it's a lot easier for a man to sort of walk in to a gym and be accepted into a gym. But when a woman does it, it's just like, oh, <laughs> you mm. know, I get judged and that kind of stuff until they actually see me do it. And then it's like, oh, actually, she can do it. How do one, women, two, people with a disability, children, anyone that is classified or needs to be classified, one, how do they get into the gym and feel comfortable? Two, be classified to be able to compete at the Parallel or Commonwealth Games. What is your suggestions for people to get into the sport and how does the sport itself grow more? Oh, for powerlifting specifically or like a sort of every every sport? <laughs> uh, both. Okay, both. Well, powerlifting um, – to be classified, you do have to have a lower limb disadvantage, basically, um, whether it be um, it's a short, different sort of lengths or you've an amputee or you could be that you've got a spinal cord injury. You just can't use your legs to the full capacity that you have. So it's a little bit hard to get into powerlifting. Yeah, I was not able to, I was too abled and now I'm disabled enough. So <laughs> here we are. But, you know, sometimes you will have a disability that, you know, is degenerative over time and that's exactly the situation I was in. And it's about sort of, you know, contacting Australian Paralympics and actually have a looking at their website, understanding the classification rules about what sports you can actually go into. They have physios everywhere that will go and do that classification for you. I was recently in Toowoomba to do a come and try day. So that's when they have a whole bunch of sports, like from archery to wheelchair, basketball, cycling, which whichever it is, boccia and powerlifting, so that we can have those conversations with young kids with disabilities, even young adults. And I met a quite a few new amputees that were like, that gives, gives strength. You know, who doesn't like chucking weight around? So, <laughs> And they came and had chats and stuff and we take their names and details and then we go through the processes of pointing them in the right direction of getting that classification done, see where they are in terms of disability-wise and then you'll have a head coach like my coach, Simon, who will then reach out to you and start creating programs for you and see where do you want to go, where are the competitions going to be, that kind of stuff and then sort of setting those, those goals in place. All right, you've got 12 weeks, let's see how you go. You know what I mean? So... And just, you know, he stays on top of me every week um, about how I'm feeling um, dietary-wise, sleep, nutrition, you know, anything. You know, how did this feel? And I'd be honest with him about everything. I'll tell him how crap something was and I'm like, no, I'm changing it, (laughs) you know. And you just got to be honest and always follow up with your coach and that kind of stuff. So as long as you stay consistent with yourself and just don't give up on it and don't put yourself down because I know there's um, athletes out there with disabilities where they'll end up having a really horrible week because of pain 
um, mental health goes down the tube and then you sit there and go, well, I haven't trained for two weeks, so what's the point? How do I get back into it again? Mm. And it's just like, and then you get disappointed in yourself. And it becomes a vicious negative cycle, that kind of stuff. So we all go through that, disabled or not. We all have those feelings. We all go through all that. But it's just about taking another step again and just don't give up on yourself. So you just got to seek out that information. Go do it, you know. And I think when it comes to finding the right gym for you, I think we do need, you know, the strength-based ones that we have, like Muscle Hut and all that kind of stuff that do want to they have bigger spaces, more equipment, that kind of stuff. They, 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 they want to encourage people to come in no matter who you are and they want to be able to support you. The ones that want to say, come, let me help, and then encourage you, not the ones that discourage you. Yeah. <laughs> or want to say, why are you doing this? What's the point? That kind of stuff, I think. It's just like everywhere. It should be accessible for everyone. It's definitely something that I have in the pipeline at the moment. Uh, James, is, we've got some things happening that we're – we're trying to make happen down that route. Someone that does want to get into the gyms and, and be a coach for powerlifting. Jeez, tongue tied. It's para powerlifting. Yeah. Well, you could just say powerlifting. That's what I'm trying yeah. to Para powerlifting. My tongue cannot get that out. How does someone that has either a strength-based coaching certificate or uh, exercise physiologist or any of those, how do they get into that? that realm um is simon someone that they can talk to or yourself or mm-hmm. uh someone that wants to help and and develop those athletes yeah simon is the, the go-to man he is the head coach of um our team and he's always looking for people that want to learn more about the sport um learn the technical aspect of it um he's even put more people through the technical the refereeing sort of full world power power lifting so that we can do more competitions in Australia and stuff because to get them more sanctioned and stuff we have a very limited sort of group in terms of um, technical coaches and all that kind of stuff so you would contact him you can either contact him like through he has a gym called NSPC National Strength Performance Centre in in Bulai in um, Wollongong so you can contact him there or you can contact he's also Samtech Australia I don't know if you know the brand of powerlifting gear he's Mr Samtech as well I call him as well ah, um, so yeah. that's his other avenue and um, he's always open to having those conversations and stuff and, and supporting people and get them on the path if you want to be a coach if you want to know more about it and then yeah the Australian Paralympics obviously want more people on board to be able to support it and get more gyms with benches and stuff like that or different types of equipment and that kind of stuff everywhere I will be making some phone calls post this interview. <laughs> that is for sure. Have you got a uh, discount code at all? <laughs> yeah, you just got to mention Bench Queen. It'd be like, oh, yeah. Oh, there yeah, you go. Perfect, you. perfect. <laughs> yeah, just got to yes. mention Bench Queen, yeah. Yeah, on that, do you have any anything that you do want to shout out or you know, mention from political views? We're, we've obviously, unfortunately, just lost the Queen and I'm sure everybody, that's what we're doing today is uh, Queen's Holiday here in Queensland. Anything politically that you want to get off your chest? Here's your platform. Personally, <laughs> personally, yeah. Oh, anything. really? Um, I just met the Prime Minister and the Governor General just, um, was it last week or the week before? Time flies. I went down to get the Australian um, Sports Medal Honour Award and it was the day before the Queen passed away and it made it a little bit more special because it was something that, that was still under her, her crown at the end of the day. And I posted on my social media, I shouldn't giggle, I posted on my social media feed me taking a photo with one of the original portraits of the Queen that's in the Guardford General's house. And I thought, this is funny. I'm going to flood your social media feeds with 
two queens. <laughs> so I posted. <laughs> so you know, it was it was you know it was my duty to make sure that you saw two queens on that day, and then only hours later she passed away. You know, so to me that made it just so so much more special. I do love our queenie. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. I think the world's going to change dramatically. I think now that we've lost her. I think so too. I definitely agree with you on that. But you can't complain with two queens. Why not? <laughs> it, you know what's funny? I was thinking of trying to wrap in the Everyone Loves Cockatoo. I was trying to put a spin on it with the two queens, but I had nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. Yeah, but, That's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> it's where you insert the cricket noise. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is the own outro. I'm pretty sure there's a tumbleweed that's just rolled through the studio here, just like, ah, that went flat. <laughs> well, Hani, thank you very much for joining us on the Take Seat Project. And thank you so much for sharing all that you have. I loved listening every moment. Um, so thank you. Thank you very, very much. No, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And having these conversations, it's really important. So thank you both for having this podcast. No problem. It's uh, it's our pleasure. We've enjoyed every moment of it. Awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode. We appreciate you rating and reviewing the podcast, but most importantly, sharing it with people you think it will impact the most. Before we go, again, a massive thanks to our sponsor, the Sunco Spinners. The Sunco Spinners are a social wheelchair-based sporting club. They operate multiple programs for people of all ages and abilities in basketball, rugby, and more. Follow the Sunco Spinners on Facebook, Instagram, and find out more about them at suncospinners.com.au. Yeah, okay, we're back. We're back. You you thought we left, but we're back. (laughs) Special Um, edition. Yeah. What do, they, what do they call it? A bonus sode? So we were talking and Harney just asked what was the card, the question on the card that we discarded. And the question was, what decision do you wish you've never made? And Harney goes, oh, that would have been a great question. <laughs> All right. So as the content creators that we are now, we figured, well, let's turn it back on and take it away. I think it's a great question because I think sometimes it's the decisions that we make, it's the decisions we make, but mine would have been, I would never have done all of the surgeries that I have done to correct my disability. And how many uh, have you had? I think, I think I counted this the other day. I think I had a total of like 13 surgeries. And I think the reason why, like, you know, I wanted to give something to try to fix something and and I think I work in healthcare, always worked in healthcare, and sometimes surgery is not the option. It's not the answer. And what can end up happening is the worst thing that could possibly happen is like chronic pain. We're so fearful of pain, and that's what I now live with is chronic pain because we kept going back and breaking the bones and trying to fix it and all those sorts of things. And every time you put your body through anaesthetic and all those sorts of things, like it changes you. It changes the way that your your um, central nervous system works and that kind of stuff. Had I have had this knowledge beforehand, I probably would have adapted to my disability a little bit different and earlier on in life and not had the level of sort of chronic pain that I actually have to live with now. And so many people jump to jumping into surgery because they think that's the be all end all, that's the answer. It's sometimes not because our bodies are so resilient and they can regenerate like our liver can regenerate and we can reverse things, you know. And I think we just have become a society where we're easy to pop a pill, get a quick fix, quick reaction, whereas sometimes we just need time 
whether it's physical or mental, you just got to give yourself time and forgive yourself for that and be okay with that. Like when you get a cold, you think, you know, this just drops some sort of ephedrine down and keep soldiering on and then all of a sudden you get sick again two weeks later because you never got over the original first episode but have you given yourself time and adjusted and then it would you would have been okay i look at it as it from my perspective is surgery is the last option because it's generally irreversible so from my exercise physiology background my mindset is let's try every other option before we go down the surgery option let's hope something else works first because as you said surgery is difficult it's changes a lot of things and, and everything as well why did you not want them like uh, i know you've explained the pain and things like that but you you now become a paralymp or the commonwealth uh, athlete and com games and para lifter uh why is the no to why i suppose if i look at my disability like both my legs from femur to tibia were bowed 45 degrees on each side. So if you imagine what that looks like, you could throw a basketball through my legs when I'd be standing up straight. So my weight bear was in the inside of my knees. So had I've just continued on through life, it would have degenerated anyway. Had I've, you know, I've done and gone, done the surgeries and put my family through all of that rehabilitation and seeing me in pain and me putting myself and my body through all of that to then heal and disappointment and anger and frustration for it to also continue to generate. Uh, I think the pathways, I still would have come out the same at the end of the day. You know, I think my disability was still degenerative enough that I would have landed where I was going to land anyway at the end of the day. I could have just avoided <laughs> going in and yeah. out of hospital and that kind of stuff. So I think the message there is what will happen will happen. We just sometimes it just, you know, you can't sort of just push it. Sometimes it's just, I don't have the words for it. Just it'll happen when it wants to happen. What's meant to be will be is always a great thing. Some people think that's a bit of a cliche, like the universe will work itself out. But I think I truly believe that the energy that we put out amongst ourselves and what we put into ourselves and stuff will manifest into whatever it is, you know, whether it's manifesting goals or what have you. But I had a disability. I had something in mind. I couldn't quite get there. So I got frustrated and I tried to fix it. But then eventually I still got there at the end of the day. So, And then here we are. Right where you're meant to be. Exactly. Sharing this message. (laughs) (laughs) That is a great little extra snippet there. I'm I'm glad we read that question. I love it. Yeah. Excellent. Look at your smile on your face. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> thank you again. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, that's it. 